Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John. With me today is returning guest, Roland Rusinak. Hi, thanks for having me back. And happy Pride, Roland, because this is when this episode comes out. And this cannot be a more appropriate film to talk about during Pride because... I have a lot to talk about the game. Yes. Yes. Well, let let me let me do the background stuff real quick and then we can get rolling with, <laughs> with your thoughts. Um so Victor Victoria, the movie preceded the show. I always forget that. That this wasn't one of those the show came first and then they turned it into a movie. Um right. the movie came out in 1982. It was the screenplay by Blake Edwards, music by Henry Mancini, lyrics by Leslie Bricuse directed by Blake Edwards. And according to IMDb, a struggling female soprano finds work playing a male-female impersonator, but it complicates her personal life. What AI wrote that? Some poor intern, I think, was just like, had it at the end of the day. It was like, Uh male-female impersonator. (laughs) Well, because, I mean, they don't call her a drag queen, right? So this is what we need to talk about because because it's set in the 30s, yes. drag queen was not a term. Right. right. And so they're being authentic to the language. Um, and it was, the language was female impersonation because it's set in, in a cabaret. It's set in the old school showrooms of Paris, like the Lido and the Moulin Rouge. It's it's set in a place that's not named. It's always just called the nightclub. Or that well, the first one was Club Louis or something. The first one was that they trash is Chez Louis. Chez Louis, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But then there's we're talking. the nightclub that what's the nightclub? The nightclub. (laughs) So I've actually done a production in college of the show, and oh, I was wardrobe. I did backstage stuff. Oh, right, Um, right. right. And and it was a bad production. Uh, (laughs) So when they when in when did it come out i want to actually i want to actually get it the right. musical or the movie the musical premiered on Ninety- broadway in 1995 yeah and so looking at like the songs in the movie there's only i'm like there's only seven cause- yeah because it's it's what i would call um like if it were a play it's a play with music and the music in the movie doesn't move the plot forward but no. it absolutely can't be cut those songs are integral to the storytelling, but they don't move the plot forward. Like the shady, la- not uh, one sh- of them. <laughs> the shady dame from Seville. It has the rule of thirds because you see it three times in the movie. So you see like the full performance, you see a regular performance, and like then a, the, like a piece of one, yeah, and the then the payoff at the end. The, the pay- the, yeah, the switch, so, the switch yeah. So it's not necessarily moving the plot forward that way, but like. Like mu- like in musical theater terms, but like it's helping mm-hmm. with the storytelling. But they're also extremely important in setting tone and setting and giving the characters opportunity to like. The thing I I find really interesting about this movie. I'm sorry, I'll get back what I, to what I was saying. Is that it, it's a long movie. It feels long, so long. but 
because you sit in the world of it so authentically. He takes so much time to let each character have their moments. I mean, the the waiters, the fat lady with the cockroach on her leg. You, there's so much world building that he does mm-hmm. that, and I think that's why the songs feel like they're uncuttable because they continue that level of like, who doesn't want to watch Julie Andrews sing La Jazz Hot? And then it becomes a key point for the next scenes that you know King Marchand has sees her and like is like, you're not a, you're not, you can't be a woman, you know? And, and they have that amazing conversation, which I literally just rewatched before I got on the Zoom with you, because it feels like a gay rights conversation that Blake Edwards put in Julie's mouth to say, oh, so is it so hard? Is it so hard for you to understand that maybe as a, as a man, you might find another man attractive? Does that threaten you? Yeah, that whole conversation, I was just like, this is 1982 and we're still having this conversation. Correct. And I, I and I, the fact that Blake put that in Julie's mouth was so interesting. And to me, there's so much value in what comes before it. Mm-hmm. Because you see what that poor woman has gone through to get to this moment. And she gets to be like, hold up, ho- ho- hold up. And, and the funny part is, it's her flirting with him saying, is it so hard? But the words are so important to say i don't understand what your problem is you 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 can't you can't be attracted to a man and then the funny part is once they do get together and and that later in the movie there's like another conversation that's just as powerful with, with the two of them where she's talking about like he's saying well now that i know you're a woman and then we're in love it's time for you to stop this and she goes i'm not sure i want to yes and why what and what and if it, the shoe were on the other foot would you yeah, because you get you get two different conversations when it comes to gender. You get the one yeah. that we were talking about that we're well, trans forty yeah. years later about yeah. you know how you identify physically, and then the one that you're just talking about where it's like the woman's place, quote unquote. Right. Feels, that's what it feels like that conversation's about, and you're like, oh no, no, we're but, not having this. But also, there's another layer to that 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 James Garner's character is saying, but people are going to think I'm gay if I'm with you, if I'm seen with you. So you got to go back to being a woman. And she's like, is, is that so wrong? Is, what's wrong with that? Right. And then that one scene where they go dancing because she wants to go dancing, but she still has to pretend to be. Yeah. And it kind of blows up in her face. Yeah. Because it he, does. Like, but then like afterwards, when he gets into the bar fight, I'm like this. Wh- okay. Toxic you know, masculinity. Got it. That's so funny that you say that because that was exactly my reaction. I'm like, I'm 100% on board with this movie. And then it, when it comes to his outburst and and he can't handle dancing with her up with other men, then he gotta go, he's got to go and beat somebody up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is really... I mean, I think what it does is shows us as audience and witnessing these characters' lives that that character of King Marchand you know, because it's the thirties is still stuck in the old paradigm of masculinity and Victoria's character, you know, Julie's character because of Toddy. And we need to talk about Mr. Carol Todd as the most beautiful characters teaches her that, you know, it's all made up. Like it's, as Paul says, it's just all drag, you know, we're naked and the rest is drag. Right. Which I I find hilarious because like, (laughs) She looks so feminine and like she's got 
Yep. She doesn't have like, uh, like yeah. a- an angular face or anything like that. So yeah. when she's playing the man, I'm like, you're clearly a woman with so back hair. This is, this is the suspension of disbelief because it's like, honey, it's Julie Andrews in a suit. Like, what are you talking? <laughs> like, and, you know? and like, and like Leslie Ann Warren, which goddess in this movie. Um, I'm surprised that she falls for it. I mean, I guess she's just so vapid and so dumb that she doesn't like grasp that the- suspension of disbelief, baby. Yeah. Suspension of di- like, because ain't nobody saying this is a guy. We no, there's no in no universe do we think this is a real man. I mean, even for the shady uh, dame of Seville, the like the actual long song oh, performance probably one of my favorite numbers too. I just wrote like seriously. How does no one know Victoria is a cis woman? Right. Like, no, look, no, at the look at the tits like come on <laughs> no no cis male can hit those notes i feel like well that's where we get into this next part of the conversation which is this is a remake yes yes and there was a ne- victor uh, und victoria from 1933 from i would i i did ran out of time to look for it and i i i did i did you found it? No. It is not available. You cannot find it. I have been searching for over a week. I found a thing on YouTube. No. It was like a commentary. It was like a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't... The, you, there's nowhere to watch this movie. Do you know why? Nazis. Nazis. It was Nazis. from the Nazi regime. It's from Weimar, Germany. Which is which is fascinating because, like, the movie, the... Victor Victoria, the... Are, are the one we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Is set also in the 30s, but in Paris. In Paris. Which is, okay, so let me then go to the next thing, which is the same filmmaker, and I can't, uh, his name is very uh, strange, Schulberg, Schulberg. Um, he remade the German film a year later in Paris, and it's called Georges et Georgette. And it's oh, interesting. Beat for beat the same movie in French with, with, with French actors. Still can't find it. Nazis. 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 Um, and this is a holy grail of like I must watch in my life. And I've been thinking about this for a long time because whenever when I discovered it was a remake, I was like, I must see the original. But I'm bringing the, this up because in this part of history, there were men who could sing women's roles, you know, countertenor parts. And they worked on it so hard that they did sound like women. Okay. I mean, yeah, yes, and, I know. I, I know of of uh, uh, crap. What it, are they called? It's not as common anymore. Yeah, but it, it was much more common then, you know. Okay. And like some people would say, they got their balls snipped and stuff like that. And that may be true. I don't know. But I, I mean, there's a couple. As a matter of fact, a counter tenor I follow on on TikTok who, who's he's ridiculous. He's amazing, and he absolutely sounds like a woman. So there is a believability in that. But you look at him, and you go, still a guy. You know, it's a man. Plus, I mean, we, the audience, know Julie Andrews for decades at this point. Right. So we're all, I mean, I'm having trouble suspending disbelief where it's like, I... It's Maria Von Trapp. It's Mary Poppins. It's, Who are you yes. kidding? Yeah. Yes, it's all of them. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, because I feel like what what drew me to this, well, I should tell you, I saw this movie when I was 11 years old with my parents in the theater. Okay. And I was, you know, because by then I had already seen 
Sound of Music. Of course, I was in love with Mary Poppins. So Julie Andrews was a fixture in my little gay mind. And I watched this movie with my parents and I was so embarrassed to be watching it with them because I felt like they were seeing some truth of mine. Oh. Especially when they were, you know, the gay stuff. And what I thought was so interesting about the gay stuff in the movie is that they never laugh at the gays. And the gay character, particularly the the central gay character, Toddy, you know, the Robert Preston's role, is so comfortable with who he is and is so charmingly disarming whenever someone gives him the whole, like, how are you gay? And it's like, or like, well, there's a whole scene between him and Leslie Ann Warren and it ends with, you know, she goes, ah, she says to to Toddy, oh, I love French men. And he goes, so do I. (laughs) I mean, it's, there's a level of acceptance is what I'm saying throughout yes. the entire film that Toddy's relationship with Richard in the beginning and this, this, that whole weird, awful guy that, you know, ends up, Victoria takes his clothes, whatever, that they're lovers, but he kind of pays for him. He's like his sugar daddy. It's just an interesting relation. And all the core, like the gay boys in the chorus who are like, that can't be a man. And if that's a man, I'm Greta Garbo. And then the other gay boy goes, well, Greta, I think he's fabulous. Well, like, <laughs> I, like everyone in this movie is like... So gay. The it's sassy so gay stereotype, but it works. And it's never... They're not making fun of them. They're It's like they're embodying... Yeah. This, this reality, particularly in the 30s, that sort of reflected was reflected a little bit in the 80s. And remember, in 82, we're in the middle of the AIDS crisis. Wait, this is the middle? I thought this was like the beginning or like pre... Maybe. I, yeah, probably. Maybe I have my timeline a little off. But to me... It's a, it's around there, though. It was there. there. It, it was, was it, there. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, because it's like very interesting. It's very accepted, especially when Squash comes out, the bodyguard guy. <laughs> but the way he comes out... It's the fact so that he beautiful. He's... He's crying because he's like, King, if you can be gay, then that's okay for me to speak my truth. And you and I'm like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. And this is like a very important scene that I don't think they're yes. putting enough weight on it. That's interesting that you say that because that's what I liked about it. That there wasn't a lot of weight on it? That it was easy. That it was just like, because he, he, I mean, I think when I saw it as a kid, I remember thinking it was funny. I still felt like it was part of my truth. Like... I felt very safe going, oh, well, this this is, you know, like, and I know people in the audience were laughing at it because like, oh, he's gay too. But when you see it in a new context, the authenticity of, of which it it feels like it's born from. Oh, I was almost crying at that point. It was, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I love that they don't belabor it. I mean, King's response is a little like, oh my God, what the fuck did I just do? But the bodyguards respond. And then the fact that like he gets with Toddy and then Toddy and him are a couple. And then they all share this like lovely secret where they all care for each other. And, and they're all kind to each other about it. Yeah. It's li- their little family. They're like good to each other, you know. And, he, and even like when um, Victoria walks in on them in bed together and she's just like, cool. <laughs> like there's there's no lengthy discussion. There's no let's let's you know break everything down it's just you're in a relationship awesome yeah are we still going to pretend that we are great like great are we good okay we're good okay let's move on yeah (laughs) that's what i like about it that's to me i didn't know that 
that was important foundational energy for me as a as a queer kid, you know, at 11 years old, because I was, I mean, I came out to myself when I was 13. I was too, I still, you know, a couple of years from really even admitting it to myself. And I think part of the fact that this movie was something people laughed at, but when I watched it alone, no, in the sh- movie, they weren't laughing at them. No, no. And, you know, the only reason why I, I, I always forget about Toddy's storyline. Cause oh. you, you know, you focus. Well, so i I picked this because uh, to come out around Pride because of obviously the um, the drag element of it. Yeah. Also, um, I don't know if you ever heard this term, but Victoria, I feel like is like the first is try like the first AFAB queen. No, I don't know what does that mean. So AFAB is assigned female at birth. Yes. Queen. So the so there's very different like there's very different. Um, subsect of drag queen right right and i'm i'm you know i'm a i'm a big drag race watcher i watch all the international ones and there's a few in you know um uh, it's drag race spain right now because m- mom was cuban so i speak spanish so i watch a lot of spanish television <laughs> and this fucking half cuban spanish girl on drag race espana is killing it and she's <laughs> she's a fab yes so so i feel like um even with the with Victor und Victoria, like they're creating this term that I don't know. I mean, does didn't exist then either. Mm-hmm. But like with the, I, I, it's very interesting to be like, oh, I wonder if women pretending to be like female impersonators or women being like dragged up, how long of a thing that was? Yeah, I do too because. We're talking, remember, drag, the term drag comes directly from Shakespeare. That In he, theory. There's well, like, he, yes, yes, yes. Let me, let me just stick with my theory, but you can correct me in a minute. Yeah. Because I, I know what you're going to say. But, you know, I always go to D-R-A-G, dress resembling a girl, is the term that, you know, we, I believe, you know, Shakespeare's acronym was what we took on as the statement because he that is in in you know in the very few stage directions in Shakespeare that's there and then all of a sudden it gets shrunk to you know so and so enters in drag uh you know and so that's why I think of it wait a minute okay what was my point oh shit I forgot no you're 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 right because because the uh we're term drag queen I feel like only came about Drag queen came much later because that's later, cool. yes. Oh, because so the term drag came comes from Shakespeare, as far as I believe, and um, it, we're talking the teens, late teens and twenties and thirties in Europe was a very debaucherous time. There was a it was permissive. There was a lot of you know, gay was not a term we use. I mean, he says in the movie we prefer gay, but it was queer. It was uh, you know uh, different words, code words for pe- you know same sex attractions. Um, and these cabarets, and when I say cabaret, I mean like in the show cabaret, like these little clubs yes. where you go to see a performance were very um, subversive. They were odd shows. They were, but a lot of times it was men pretending to be women. And I ha- have this theory because in Shakespeare's time and because that precedent was set where women didn't play women's roles, they weren't allowed on stage. Women were getting uh, the big fuck you and were like, um, no. So I think at some point, 
early in our history that in that reality of women being oppressed in performance, some girls who were cisgendered women, you know, cisgendered women who were a little masculine, they could pass. And they, if they just cut their hair and lowered their voice and they didn't have big breasts and their bodies were not exactly curvy, they could pass for a boy easily. Yeah. And they'd go on stage. I think that happened in secret more than we know. Because let's just face it, if you were good at it, who was ever going to find out? Well, well, plus at the time, it was like a faux pas for women to wear pants. Right. And, and scandalous. So it's if you're going to wear pants, you're going to look like a boy. You're going to make yourself look like a boy. Right. You're going to you're going to go full drag king, yeah. which now now that we're talking Sorry, about fucking it, love, by the way, you're I'm obsessed with like Land Insider, this drag king that's out here in California. I mean, now that we're talking about it, like my brain only focused on the AFAB queen of it all. But like she's playing a drag king. Uh, the Count is basically basically her drag king character. Victor Grzynski is she's playing two roles. Yeah, she's playing drag queen Victoria, but she's also this drag king. Yeah, well, and, and that's like a—I I don't want to actually say—I know I said drag king, but like it's a weird line because like she's—it's not a performative thing. But, it's... but she kind of is. I mean, the character of Victor, the the count, is very stoic. He's very serious. He's still, you know, Julie, but there is, she construct, I mean, you see her face even change, that she constructed this character very thoughtfully. You're right. Because when you see her as Victoria in the... She's Julie Andrews. She's beautiful. Yeah. 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 She's the glowing doll of Julie Andrews. But that diner, that dinner scene where she's like, I have no money, we're just going to eat and then run because I have a cockroach in my purse. Like that's, that I feel like is like the true Victoria that we've ever hundred percent and we only see her for like what 10 minutes out of the whole movie yeah Yeah. that that scene is so brilliant i have to talk about the character actors in that scene because being a character actor that's what i see and there is that waiter that waiter that he's so dry and sassy and they have these interactions about you know like she says, uh, the beef bourguignon was a little tough. And he's like, well, the way you've been eating, maybe you're <laughs> You know, like, it's just, and the dialogue that Blake Edwards wrote is so damn funny. But then- I like how he comes back later. And he's that's like, what I was gonna approach! Say. And then, he, you know, he's working at the, at the is that is it Shea Louis where he ends up working? Or is it a different club? I can't remember. Wherever she's performing. The club. The, the nightclub, because yeah. they don't have a name. Um, no, no, you're right. It is Shea Louis, because that's when she is, sees yeah. him, and then she's pulled on stage, and her right. and Toddy sing. Uh, you and me. Did I, uh, well, the songs. The songs are, every single one is delicious. They're very Parisian, except for Shady Dame. Everything feels very French. Okay, who is actually supposed to be French in this movie? I never understood that. So everybody but King, um, and Norma, Leslie and Warren. Yeah, King Norma. Uh, yeah, uh, James Garner, Leslie and Warren, and and his bodyguard, and then the gangsters that come in are, all are American. American. And also, let me just point out that it's interesting to see that the only intolerant people are the Americans. Because <laughs> that that gangster comes in and calls him the the f word, the uh-huh. gay word. 
And it's the first, you know, it's the only time you hear it in that context that hurts. And you're like, ah. mm-hmm. they put it in the mouth of the American. I'm also confused because like we have the waiter who has a French accent. accent right. But then, you know, Julie has her. Well, she's from Bath. She's a soprano, second rate soprano from okay. Bath. Okay. I blacked that out, I guess. And yes. then uh, Toddy is just. Supposed to be, yeah, he's supposed to be French. Oh, okay. He's, he's as Robert Preston as it comes. <laughs> <laughs> there's no accent. I, I think there's a level of respect I have for people like him who you, you I, I can pretty much bet that Blake called him and said, let's do this movie, blah, blah, blah. And he's accepted. And then when they're on set and they're like, well, it's in France and you need to do a French. And he's like, no. I don't do accents. No, I, I he's probably I not very good at them, you know. Okay. And he just over the top of nature of Robert Preston, but that's all you're getting. <laughs> yeah, and the and the beauty of the role, and it's so funny you say over the top because I was watching his what he does, and it's very understated. Actually, it's just what he says is over the top, but he he's talking at like a mutter sometimes, and it is the funniest line in the scene, and because it always he's. It feels brilliant. like everyone's brilliant. a sassy old queen in this movie. And by queen, I don't mean drag. I mean, you know, the term for gay. Because um, yeah. the the way that he talks to people, especially the gaggle of, the gaggle of like hated people that are the cause of all the fights and everything right. with uh, his ex... The boy toy, whatever yeah. we want to call him. Richard, the bo- the sure. one that's always such a jerk. Yeah, like Richard and his friends, he's always like sassing them. There's a scene. Uh, it's when... The sass is so clever. Yeah, and like even, even when he and Julie are, um, like when they first meet and they're first yeah. like at his apartment and she's like, stay in bed, you're sick for God's sake and everything. Yeah. Like... It sounded like they were an old married couple without being an old married couple. Also, yeah. what I appreciate is that um, she never like had romantic feelings for him and vice versa. It was just, we are platonic. We are doing this. We both just want money. And you know what? Let's have, let's, we want to also sing. And that's what our passion is. I think that's what's so lovely is that he, the way he approaches her at the um, restaurant and he, he says, you know, I heard you sing. And she goes, I haven't sung in weeks. And he goes, no, I was at your audition. And she was like, oh yeah. His approach is so lovely and honest. And um, and then her response as a human, it's just the writing is so clean and yes. it's so clear that he's there because he admires her talent. Yeah. And that, and that they become friends because she's kind to him because she's like, I have a roach. Let's sit down and have dinner. You're broke. I'm broke. Let's, let's just be friends. And he's like, all right. And then mayhem ensues with the roach scene, which is also brilliant. And then this is why I go back to, I love how, how long it takes. Cause it, like I said, it's a long movie and it takes its time. But I think what's so great about it is exactly what you're saying that like, that like, Blake Edwards gives those characters time to meet, to get to know each other, to understand where they're coming from in a few scenes so that there's never confusion. They're always clear. There's always like an admiration of talent and a kindness that they, they, they just have this friendship immediately. 
but it's not it doesn't feel forced because you get to see how it happened but i also appreciate because there is the trope in a lot of um gay man straight woman relationships yep, 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 where, that you see in film and tv hello will yep. and grace where yeah. it's like she loves him but clearly he doesn't he doesn't love her in the same way and like i like that this movie didn't go that way it was no, like it was like we're going to use each other and we're going to just be besties the end exactly and and it's funny because if you really look at it you see that they're friends first the the yes. the whole using each other and and working together comes in this wonderful ac- accident in quotes when you know Toddy's lo- ex-lover comes in and is like, I'm here to get my things. And 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 Victoria's dressed in his clothes because her clothes have been destroyed by the, um, the rain. Yeah. The rain. And she punches him out for being a dick to her friend. You know, it's like this level of kindness to each other that you go, yeah, whatever they're going to do is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, you know, Toddy being this brilliant, you know, gay man goes, wait a minute, lower your voice. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You look Wait change the key change, oh oh yeah, talk yeah, lower. Yeah. yeah wait a minute you sound really good you know and then and then the idea comes which let me just take you down a musical theater conspiracy rabbit hole now i would like to share with you a thought i had watching this which is it was fascinating to watch that beat and of course it happens very early on in the movie and then the rest of the movie is them playing out the whole scenario but it did make me think of one of my favorite shows that i've done nine times Sweeney Todd and how Mrs. Lovett has this idea looking at Sweeney and saying, wait a minute, you want to kill and I need money. Why don't we just kill people? And Toddy looks at her and goes, wait a minute, you got this voice. You kind of look like a guy in, dra- in, in my ex's suit. Why don't we just try to do this? It's, it's, it's sort of like one, one can't have the other. We can't have the story without one you know, coming to the other. And one is the brains and one is the talent. And in your case, there's somebody with the last name Todd. I'll see right. myself out. <laughs> no, I, girl, I thought it too. I was like, where did you think I got the idea? I was like, they're both named Todd. Yeah. But, uh, and Sweeney Todd came out three years before this. Uh, no. <laughs> were probably, the script was already written. Let's just be real. Um, no, but I, I love seeing the connection about, I think it's just interesting storytelling is what I'm getting at, that you have these two characters, the protagonists, that really one can't, the story can't move forward if they don't meet. And the story can't move forward if one doesn't have an idea that pushes the other one to action. But the there's like one, is like I said, one is the talent, one is the brains. And without, t- together, it, it, nothing will happen. Unless they're together, nothing will happen, I mean. Um, <clears throat> so I thought that was a fun, like, connection I saw. But this film was so lovely to come back to because like I say, it really reminded me that when I was 11 and I saw this for the first time, it did sort of lay groundwork for me as a gay man to be like this. These are the people that came before me and there's a level of gratitude and sort of like love I have for these characters that they instilled in me a kind of like it's okay fence feeling of like just be you people aren't gonna necessarily like it but it's okay you're not your life's not gonna go wrong don't worry you know you can just go live in a a Parisian go to Paris darling go to to Paris Paris Uh, 
Honestly, this isn't where I expected this conversation to go, and I'm really happy oh. it happened. Oh. Uh, I also was very little trepidatious to watch it, just oh. because, like I said of the the experience I had with the show, and it was it was so I I got to see the show on Broadway. There's a lot about it I liked, and there's a lot about it I didn't like. And I will say I think it's a better movie. Um, I think the design of the film, the visual design of the film, is exceptionally beautiful i also think the like the ability to live in these in these scenes longer is really fun because also on film you can sort of forgive the suspension of disbelief a little as i can i don't know about anyone else but i i feel like i can't but on stage I, it was hard for me to believe she was a man that people didn't believe she wasn't a woman from the second you saw her you know um and it was julie and Julie, yeah, she is a big presence on stage. I mean, she, there's a reason the woman's a star, but there's no question that I, she's not a man. And they replaced Shady Dame with Louis Says, which I think is an inferior number. Oh, yeah. At Louis 16th. I just don't think it's as good. Well, and, they also cut Gay Perry, it looks like. Which I think is a, a travesty. <laughs> but well, but they put in Toddy's song uh, "Trust Me," which I think is a great song. That's a because it's a it's a moves the plot forward in an exceptional way song. So what happened? What uh, what happened what? was that when they were making the show for the Broadway, um, Henry Mancini passed away while before this could happen. So and Frank, Frank yeah. Wild Frank Wildhorn came the in. Purpose, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he uh wrote new material for it um both music and lyrics and like so like trust me louis says living in the shadows which i don't remember that but that's like living in the shadows yeah no yeah it it it, it's too that's what i don't like about the show is particularly that energy of like i'm gay and so i hate myself and that never comes up in the movie interesting What's also really interesting about the show is that Julie Andrews denied, declined the Tony nom. I remember I was, I watched it happen. Well, so I'm reading it on the Wikipedia she was page. Very, very, she was very hurt that she got a nomination and that Rachel York did not. Or and like any other part of the show? You mean? Anything else in the show. Like, but, 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 but the rumor was she and Rachel were friends already from having done um, putting it together. I think somewhere else. I don't think it was in New York, but it was somewhere else. Maybe in London, maybe in LA. I can't remember. And they were already friends. And Rachel, I did Kiss Me Kate with Rachel. I love Rachel. She's extraordinarily talented woman. But also she kind of could resemble Leslie Ann Warren and kind of did a Leslie Ann Warren somewhat impression. She sort of really did Norma, uh, uh, excuse me. um, Adelaide. No, Singing in the Rain. What's her name? Jesus. Um, um, I can't. No, I can't stand them. Um, oh, the, oh, I know who you're talking about. Lena Lamont. She basically did more of a Lena Lamont character because she was somewhere between Leslie's interpretation and Lena Lamont. It was very that funny voice, ditzy blonde. But she did her. It was her own. It, and the argument was she didn't get the nomination. And I heard this from multiple people. That they said it was too much of a caricature of Leslie and Warren. And I was like, I disagree with you. I, I've seen the show twice. I I don't think I don't think so. It was it was not. See, was Nor- 
Norma seems like a character that I'm going to add to the pantheon of like people copying because like you got the Adelaides, you've got the uh, Audreys, and now you got the Normas where they all have the same. Somebody did the same, the, the nasally ditzy voice. And then I guess it feels like everyone afterwards is like, we have to copy that. Yeah, because Leslie's performance is so definitive. It's so brilliant. Right, but like that's, but like the character, it's not called for, I don't think it's called for in the script. I agree. I, I agree. The, the performer being like, I want to do this. Yeah. Or like the performer and the director coming to whatever. Yeah. But like, it's the performer's, you know, interpretation of it. And so like, um, yeah, I don't, I personally don't like that when they copy because i'm just like yeah i don't think it's necessary yeah just create your own find your own thing you know i i think i think the interesting thing about the musical is that like i say seeing it and and hearing all that talk about rachel i i i I was like well i get it but it's not that it she didn't she created her own thing and it and it was i mean it, it wasn't it wasn't a caricature of Leslie Ann Warren. She she found her own moments. She found and she had a, another song that they put in for her and 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 the whole show had a lot of merit, but there was a lot of there were a lot of problems with it. Mm, Particularly okay. in the design and the costuming, I thought I thought it was it didn't serve the show the way that it does in the film. Um some of it was over costumed. It was like overdone. Like I was just like this is too much. You don't need this much. Um the sets were not nice. The, but but what's who played Toddy? Um, my God, I did Christmas Carol with him. Um, it's um, uh, oh gosh, Tony Roberts. Tony Roberts. He, he was wonderful. Like everyone in the show, I think every yeah. What and who played a king? It was God. He's wonderful. Everyone was wonderful. Everyone deserved recognition. So it was weird that they didn't consider them at that time, and they only considered Julie. And honestly, I thought she was right. It was sort of like you guys. I don't need this. They need this. They need this more than I need this. Can you please rethink this? And then they were like, No. Well, she. Um, it even says here that um, she wants to. S- quote stand instead with the egregiously overlooked and quote cast and crew yeah so she probably thought you know she, hey, did a, she made a speech and she made a speech at the show wow the night, that the tonys came out the no not nominations came out and i i believe it got recorded because i do i know i wasn't there for it but i saw it on like uh one of the at public access at the time like someone had yeah and the speech was very diplomatic and it, but you if you really listened it's kind of scathing like she's she's ab- absolutely kind and gentle but boy she was like no this isn't right these people deserve recognition more than i do and i love that about her because get i mean she understands mama she's, didn't need it she's yeah. julie motherfucking andrews yeah <laughs> yeah like you are legend my love and she just i just feel like yeah but going back to the film, I think also what was so important about this film when it came out is because it was Julie, it got so much recognition. It got so much attention. Mm-hmm. And people really had this moment of like, she isn't Mary Poppins. She is, she's, she's so much more than that. And also the gay rights stuff was sort of coming to a head because this is Reagan era, I believe. 
And I will point out, Lacage, I think, went into out-of-town previews two years after this movie. Oh, interesting. And yeah, and so there's a beat when she pulls her headpiece off and she's got this like flat man hair um, and, and the audience like reacts and in, in, in the film, they're, they're like, oh, it's a man. And I distinctly remember seeing video of Lacage three, four years later, once it was out and that beat, that same beat existed in Lacage. And I wondered if it was inspired or taken from, or was just somehow informed by that, that moment in Victor Victoria. Because that did come first. Well, I wonder if that was just a th- also a thing of the time. Right, the, yeah, maybe. the 30s, where it's like, you just witnessed a man do it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, think, I think Zaza does something very similar, where she just, like, pulls the front of her wig off, boom! But with that show, it's like, that's George Hearn. There's no question that's a man. <laughs> uh, Roland, do you have anything else you want to say before we get to Sharp and Flat? Oh my God, no, I just love this movie so much. I'm Great. So happy. Let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And you know what? Let's end on a high note. More more music puns right here. Let's start with flats. Surprisingly, I don't really have that many. I So you before we started recording, you asked me, you were interested in my thoughts on it. I like moments, but I don't think I like the overall movie. I mean, oh, it's okay. not, like I'm indifferent with overall the movie. It's not like mm-hmm. I hated it or anything. I'm just like, it's for one of my flats is that it's long. The length. Two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, guys, yeah. we could, we could snip some things here and there. Took yeah. some things. Uh, yeah. Another one of my flats is uh, King's. That's his first name, yes? King? King Rashad. Yes, I don't know. I don't He's know confused because it sounds like the royal thing. I, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know if it's a nickname. I don't know what it is, but that's what he goes by in the movie. It's King King Marshawn. Yeah. Uh, I, I also flatted, and I'm, I think you'll agree with me, King's toxic heterosexuality slash masculinity. I agree. And we and we talked about this before we recorded that fight in and the third act of the film where it's like him and Victoria go dance. She says, "All I want to do is just go dancing," and so they go to a go go dancing, and you know the the shot is them just dancing a very tight shot of their faces, and then they pull back and they're just like in a sea of men dancing in suits, and it's just so beautiful. And he King is just looking so annoyed by it, and then and then he sends her home and gets into the yeah. bar fight, and you're like. Yeah. Why? Yeah, that was the one thing that I feel strikes an odd chord for me, where I'm always just like, huh? And then he ends up like singing songs with them at the end when they're all bloodied and beaten up and they're friends. Like, what the, what? I don't get it. And and I think what's hard about it is I want that out of the movie. But as I said, I think to you before, great storytelling has conflict. And, and this is creates a, a level of conflict that we need that he's, just struggling with that toxic masculinity right because like what else is the conflict really yeah he because he really and it and it's so beautifully done because he's he goes he he and he tries and he and then he and then he can't do it and she's and she and he's trying for her and i really like that but ugh, that's the worst moment in the whole movie for me well because like you it's sad that we need it but like we need it because if you to get rid of it the other conflict is like the fact that she's pretending to be a man yeah. and, and so 
that doesn't come into play until like super late into the movie. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's probably where I would also have a flat. They wrap that up super quick where they say, all of a sudden a detective is following her to see if she's like a woman. And then he's in, in the bathroom at one point And it's just this, you go, wait, 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 what? And then, and then all of a sudden the investor from Chicago shows up and says, I'm going to pull your funding because homosexuality is not cool with me. Yeah. And you're like, this is, this is coming out of left field. I mean, granted, that's what happens in life too. It does come out of Machina. It's like the God is coming out of nowhere to fix, to end the story. Like you're just like, yeah, but it's true. It, cause it does happen in life. And that I just would have put that in play a little sooner and but, cut some other things to move like you know trim so that this that plot feels a little bit more organic because that it does feel like it wraps up so quick and all of a sudden then there she is and it's toddy playing it and she's in the a dress sitting next to him and oh be quiet i have a plan and you're just like really uh and so i have one more flat um and that is okay i know you like the character actors but there's one that i didn't really like and it was the guy Ooh. eating while Victoria, at the beginning of the movie, while yeah, Victoria yeah, I know. faints. She's looking through the and, window. Like, I don't. What? Why? No shade. It's not, I don't think it's the person. I just think it's the way that he was directed and shot and everything. Cause I mean, they got a overweight man eating pie or some sort of dessert, yeah, like creamy cl- thing. Or something, yeah. And it's, it's disgusting looking. And do, and do you know his character's name is Fat Man in Window? Oh, great. I saw it in the credits and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, great. I mean, it, probably the other one was Fat Lady in Diner. or whatever. No, it was Large Lady in Diner. Large Lady. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm a leg. It's, it's more so like how they shot it that I'm flatting Ooh. it. Like, I get it that it's it's a it's a key point. She hasn't eaten in like four days or whatever. Right, right. right. It, also, in that moment, because I, I don't like it either, I, I would say that's one of them. I would say it's a half of like half half one of mine. There's ADR. There's a voiceover repli- like they did a voiceover on him where there's just sounds of it going. Um, oh yeah, that oh. it's so gross to me. And I again get why you did it, but I'm like, really? Can we just tone this down just a like? Couldn't have just been like a pretty girl eating a, or could it have been to be a fat guy? Could it could it have been just like people having soup and the soup in like you know, the soup is dripping and it's like, you know, oh, I can or just touch it or something. Like a it, nice couple eating dinner. I don't know. It just, because it did, it just feels like, really? Really? Could, Why did it have to be fat? And they could be, be fat? I mean, they could be any size, really. Yeah. But like, I just yeah. wish it wasn't just a gluttonous approach to it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it could just be like, like twirling uh, food on a fork around and she, that's what she's following and drooling yeah. with her. Or just like they're eating with something, you know, that it's you, you close up on this, how they load the fork up and just make it very, you know, like more honest, more, yeah, because it feels a little bit like fat shaming and then, you know, but make again, it for food porny than, yeah, 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 than yeah. fat shaming. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other flats? No, no, that was my one. I mean, I do, like I, I, I like I said, I, I think the length is necessary but god yes it feels long and i would trim absolutely but it's not super it doesn't bother me because i sit in those moments with such joy now watching these people the character like the woman that's the secretary at at the agent's office and she's like no i am madame and the, the voice is delicious and i and i love 
you know, the scene with the weird cabaret boys and they have like the masks on the backs of their heads and it's like their boy and a girl and they keep flipping around. It's so weird. You don't need it. You can cut it. But, oh my God, I enjoy it so much. It's so, there's so many weird things that set up what this universe is that I enjoy. But for example, when Julie does her cherry ripe, cherry ripe, her little audition at the beginning, uh-huh. and she gets so fed up with the guy and, and he's like, get out, you know, you're not, you're not hoary enough for me. Um, and he's like, how dare you? How is that, you know, Monsieur, whatever, Andrea Cassell send you? And she's like, he didn't send me. And he's, and she's like, what? And then she goes for the high note and breaks the glass. But she's so starved that the poor thing feels dizzy and steadies herself against the wall, like the wall. It's a beat that goes by like that. But it is so delicious to me that if things like that were cut, I think the joy of the film would go for me. I do have one. There's so much of that. There's so much of that. I do have one more flat that I just thought of. Oh, yes. When King and Squash break into Toddy and Victoria's room, there's there's that other um hotel patron who comes out of the door and just shoes. Will go the in and shoes. yeah i'm flatting the third time which is when <laughs> it's victoria and toddy going in and she goes under his cape and says watch the birdie i don't understand that i don't and either that's that, the only that was... reason why i'm flatting it because it's like i get it that you're doing a joke and that like you know this per- poor person is probably thinking that there's like a harem happening in there or something or an orgy but yeah. like i don't understand what is happening with that I, yeah that, that is definitely one of them that it's like okay that went too far like we don't need that yeah. um sharps let's go sharps i do you mind if i go first go go <laughs> i sharp the callback jokes especially specifically the waiter because like yes because like i thought that would be done with him and then he comes back and then I feel like there's somebody else that comes back to later or things um oh yeah the um police break coming in magically super fast to Shay Louis um that that's kind of so like wow. there's a fight that breaks out twice at Shay Louis oh yes yes and the police show up like that's kind there of they are again yeah 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 um so you brought up Cassell's secretary. I want to sharp her. She's Ooh. amazing. And that voice, the voice. But she is emblematic of like how many amazing character actors they found for all these little cameos that make, I mean, the waiter that we're talking about, like mm-hmm. his little takes and his confusion and like how ups- annoyed he is, but how like internalized the annoying. It's just everybody is genius. Yes. Um. I, okay. I'm giving this biggest sharp to Leslie Ann Warren. I know we're supposed to hate her as a character, but like, I can't, I can't, I can't. She's just a gem. Um, I also want to sharp squash and his coming out. And how sweet that character remains. Like, and how Alex Karras, that the actor remains in the space of just loving his boss and then loving that he can be who he is finally. And it's just so subtle, but it's so clear. And then, like, finding his truth and coming out about it. Um, and then my last sharp. Okay, so <laughs> I watched this on HBO Max with subtitles. I watch yeah. everything oh, with subtitles yeah. these days. Uh-huh. During Chicago, Illinois, the ending, when they spell it out, the letters 
go across the screen. I took a video of it. It's going to be on the socials, everyone. Uh-huh. But I was like, that's fun. Somebody, the the <laughs> even the person who did the subtitles had fun doing this. Like, uh, yeah. Can we pause and talk about Chicago, Illinois for a minute? And oh, there yes. is this weird thing in it where... <laughs> I swear to you that I believe I saw Leslie Ann Warren's pubic hair when she turns her ass to the camera and bends over when I was 11 years old. I remember distinctly on the big screen going, I just saw her pubic hair, like peeking out from the side of her, like in, you know, in her thigh costume. Really? I swear to God, I saw that. At least I believe I saw that. And then years later, I watched the movie and I was like, no, that's not there. And then I was in a dressing room in a show I was working in and one of the other actors, we were talking about Victor Victoria and he goes, and that fucking pubic hair. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I know that I saw her pubic hair when I saw in the theaters. And I was like, so I didn't make it up. And he's like, no, but then I watched it last night again. I mean, this is the second time I watched it for you uh, in the past week. And I watched it again last night and I looked very, I stopped the, I stopped the video on HBO Max. I have a 40 something inch television. And I'm like, no, it's not there. But there's like a shadow. And I wonder if they digitally took it out. I mean, it's scandalous and it's awful, but it sort of fits the world that there's, because there's like weird, like there's nudity in the background of a lot of scenes. Like the showgirls, like you see tits, but you go, did you see tits? Yeah. <laughs> and you go, and you did. Like I stopped the, I, I was like, yeah, they're, she's naked. Yeah. I'm not seeing anything about it on IMDb, but I, I'm just doing like a fast scan of it. I am, and to the truth is, it just might be me making it up and or having like a Mandela effect that I just think I saw something I didn't see. You know what I mean? But what's interesting they brought they pointed out is that Julie Andrews and Leslie Ann Warren both played Cinderella. I forgot about that. I didn't even think of that. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, they did. And, and Rogers and Hammerstein's, yeah, two different. Julie was the first. Yeah, Julie was. Oh There's so many. Okay, yeah, no, I, I'm not seeing anything, but I wasn't really. I'll yeah. take a look later. Okay. Um, so, what about you? What, what What are your starts for this movie? Well, you, I, as I said, I love this movie so much. For me, especially watching it again just now in the last week, the the greatest sharp I have is the gay activism that I didn't realize was there. Oh yeah. I, I agree it, with that. And it really like resonates so deeply because then I realized that didn't inf- inform me as a young person. And, and I'm grateful that, that I, I see it now and it's just so lovely, but um, honestly, I'm going to say for me, the script is mm-hmm. so funny that it, it you hear the words i mean you see the sub the subtitles and the captioning it's funny on the page like you just he got these and these amazing character actors to just just say the words because they're good you don't have to work at it and and then the other thing is just julie i i want to now sh- uh sharp as well the uh conversations that victoria and king have yeah about gender and and by the way, I recorded them off the TV. And if you want me to send them to you, I'll send them if you want to put them up because they're short. Awesome. Two of them. Because I'll take I, it. I, I was so moved by those conversations. I was like, these, whoa, this is, these are big. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And 40 years later, we're still having them and people yeah. are not understanding. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. maybe if you watch the scene from 1982. <laughs> 
Right. Which is a remake from the 30s. 30s, which is set in the 30s. So it's it's Mm. like we've been having this conversation much too long. Uh, Would you any of the songs to your life's playlist? As a matter of fact, I was thinking about putting Crazy World in my audition book. Do it. Uh, because yeah. I don't have a song like that. And whenever they're like, we just want like a croony song, I have to find a good key for me. But I just feel like that I love that song so much. And it feels so apropos that it's like, it's just saying like, talking to the world as a person and like, you are insane, but I can't help but love you. And that's exactly how I feel. See, I didn't. No, I'm, I don't think I'm going to add any of the songs. Like, I feel like they're just precious for the movie. You yeah, know, like you need. I don't think I can. They do. They belong in the film very much. They belong so. in the film. They're of the film. Yeah. I don't think I can see myself rocking out to Chicago, Illinois. What? I don't understand that. You mean you I don't mean, want to do the number in your living room? I mean, I could and I would, but like, <laughs> I, I would do it with the movie. You know, I, right. would, I, I, I don't think I could do it. You know, listen to it without. The visuals or anything. And Leslie's, my God. She's oh my so God. She's and such it, a treasure. It's so, she's so amazing because she goes from being ditzy blonde to like looking like she'll murder you in, in like a heartbeat. And I'm like, oh my God, I love this so much. Yeah. That scene at the end when Victoria reveals herself, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's weird and terrifying and shot like she's about to get uh, murdered. Mm-hmm. murdered or raped and then all of a sudden she's just like lock the door and you're like oh you kinky little bitch <laughs> like it just tells you exactly who she is that she's like oh if this is gonna happen then we're gonna do a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like if you're gonna fuck me you're gonna fuck me Shut, lock the door yeah and i'm going oh, to yes take yeah. control of the situation <laughs> which also speaks to how subtly feminist this movie is because norma takes control she yeah. plays this weird baby doll victim thing, but the bitch is running the show. Yeah, you're right. And she's the one who brings um the who who's the other guy who I always forget his name as well. The nasty gangster who like says I'm not gonna yes. fund you anymore. Yeah. Um, but Roland, on that note, we're done. We did it. We did Victor Victoria. Oh, my lovely Victor Victoria. Uh, What do you have to plug or promote? Oh, gosh. Well, we're right now in the middle of the writer's strike. So things are quiet a little bit. It's a little bit of a downtime. So I'm just working on some writing projects and uh, just living life and, you know, writing and, you know. Living in sunny California. Yeah. Yeah. And watching everyone pick it. Um. We like glossed over a lot of things in the movie, and if there was something that you, the listener, wanted to he- talk about, you can email me at buttasungpod at gmail dot com. Also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttasungpod. Um, did you oh, see? God, I would love to know what they if people do say because we should have another conversation. About it. <laughs> uh, about did fun. you also see pubic hair? Because I did it, oh, I could tell you. I did, yeah, no. You know, we'll, we'll 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 I'll rewatch it and see if I saw pubic. It, no, it's it. not there. It's not there. Damn it! Oh, no, I'm just you know. <laughs> and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, well, it's still Pride happening, and it's funny that we talked about Shakespeare earlier because we're doing "Were the World Mine." It's based off of Midsummer. <laughs> Roland, thank you so much. Thanks, John. 
Bye. Uh, you're coming back soon. I won't say with what, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see you real soon. And bye for now, everyone. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.